There he is, our guy, forever and always, Fat Perez. Joining us, how are you doing today, Perez? I'm well, Joseph, and you? I'm excellent. So first and foremost, want to welcome all of you back to another episode of The Sportsman. First and foremost, I'm Joey Colcutts. This is Fat Perez. Our dear friend, The Big Ticket, is actually celebrating a birthday today. We are here live in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're prepping up, amping up for a big week. We got a golf tournament tomorrow, waste management Thursday, Friday, lots happening. So Ticket is absolutely not going to be able to join us today, but that doesn't mean we can't still run an episode of The Sportsman. Can you hear me okay, Perez? I'm not I'm not the worst backup plan in the whole world, am I? I'll tell you what, Perez, if you're a backup plan, sign me up right away. You'd be like the Nick Foles of podcast. Oh, that plan. is a good one, yeah. That's a okay, real good okay, one. You know, like a, like JT Daniels. I tell you what, there's a guy who can definitely come back in, assert himself in the lineup and do some damage. So, but thanks for coming in, Perez. Happy to have you. I think you've been on once before on the podcast, no? One time. I have been on one yeah. time. By the way, that 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 episode did numbers. If we're going to talk, probably just real numbers. Might have to start bringing you in more often. All right, Perez, we're going to get into it early and often today. I wanted to touch base on a couple of topics. First off, I know you're a basketball guy. Probably right now, with all the golf and everything that's going on, you haven't followed too much. But I'm sure you've heard the Kyrie Irving trade that happened this past week. First of all, kind of a piece of shit move. The guy just continues to burn bridges wherever he goes, demanded a trade from the Brooklyn Nets, ended up going to Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks, who in return got Spencer Dinwiddie, who used to be a Brooklyn Net. He's going back. They're also getting Dorian Finney-Smith, a first-round pick and a second-round pick. Talk talk me through this, Perez. Do you think A, Kyrie Irving is going to make an impact on the Dallas Mavericks? B, how do you think that that lineup now looks with having two guards with Luka Doncic and with Kyrie? And C, did Brooklyn get hosed on this and did Dallas win? Um, You know, it's tough. This guy, he does – He it's always something with Kyrie. You know what I mean? It's just – it's never easy. It's never just smooth sailing. It's never just like a normal offseason, get through the year, play well. You know, I mean, this is a guy that quite frankly – might be one of the best finishing point guards that has ever played this game. As far as a guy that can create his own shot, that can go get a basket whenever he wants one, not even point guard wise. I mean, he he's one of the best players in the NBA when a basket's needed to go get a basket. And for him, for the narrative on this guy to always be the the stuff off the court and the, and then just the difficulty, it's, it's a shame for him. It's a shame that that's what it is uh, with him. Um, with that being said, um, I get why the Mavs would, or any team for that matter, would want to bring on a guy like Kyrie Irving. You know, when he's happy, when he's excited to play basketball, he's all those things I just said. And yeah. to put him with a guy like Luka Doncic, you know, they're both guards, but I think that Don, I think Doncic can actually, I think he can get a lot of a, a different looks and maybe even better looks. With a guy like Kyrie there that can create some st- can create some space for him, kind of on off ball stuff, drive and kind of kick out stuff to to Doncic. So, you know, I don't think they gave up necessarily. I I, I mean, Dinwiddie's a good player. I don't know much about the other guy, and the draft picks. You know, the NBA NBA draft picks aren't as important to me, I think, as football draft picks are necessarily. Um, so I I I, I think it's a good move for the Mavs. 
And on the other side of that, for the Nets, at this point, you're happy to get anything for this guy. You know what I mean? You can't have him around anymore. You've gone through, you know, this is this is like beyond even where most teams would have even found themselves with this guy with all the stuff at this point. So, like, at this point, they get to wash their hands, bring a guy back that has already been on that team, has performed pretty well and didn't win and these draft picks could turn into something pretty solid. So he was going to leave. You, you know, he's he's the kind of guy that once he wants out, he's not going to play for you, or at least isn't going to play hard. So you got to get yeah. rid of him. You got to get what you can. I I hear what you're saying, and I I tend to agree as well. I think listen. Bottom line is Luka Doncic is putting up an MVP caliber season right now. He has been lights out, and 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 to 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 be honest, the guy has no help on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you got Spencer Dinwiddie, you got a Dorian Finney-Smith, you got a couple other guys who can put the you know put up a couple buckets, but you really don't have a guy that can isolate, that can do damage, and that can take over on a scoring night where he doesn't have to put up fifty plus points for them to win the game. I think Kyrie, despite all the headaches, the guy can ball, and I think it gives Doncic a lot of extra. You know, it gives him a lot of space to be able to operate and do what he wants. He can now take the ball up court. He can, you know, he can come off a pick and roll off a screen, shoot a three and you can have, you know, Irving is a playmaker. I just don't know if he's worth the antics, but listen, a team like Dallas, you have a, a, a very, very active, aggressive owner and Mark Cuban, the guy wants to win. I'm not surprised they made this move. And to your point with the Nets, I think they, I think they've realized that they, like all the stuff that they have done in the last couple of years between getting Harden and bringing in Durant and Irving, it just didn't pan out. And I think now the chips are where they lie. And like you said, they're just kind of realizing we just got to move on. This isn't the this isn't the play. And when a player comes out and says, I don't want to play anymore for this team, like you're in a position where you're kind of fucked because everybody yeah. else in the league knows that. Yeah, unless it's a guy with considerable a considerable amount of contract time or a, a guy that you that has significant value i mean you can't let you, you can't kind of play hardball and 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 like play pride on it and like let him you know no you're playing for us for the whole season and then get nothing at the end of the day i don't know what his contract situation is but i imagine he must be pretty close or something for him yeah. to come out and say something like this um and for me you know I'm looking more of it from the Dallas side of things. And that isn't, that is a, that is a, a tough tandem for any team in this league to have to guard, um, especially in a, you know, five game, seven game series to have to guard these two dudes. And, you know, I'm more of a college basketball guy, but they always say in the tournament, um, the team with the best guards, like look, look for that, that, that team, you know, that mid-major team with incredible guard play. And those are the guys that can make runs and upset. So I think, like you said, Doncic has kind of been a one-man show, and um, there. I mean, this is, you know, when Kyrie is is Kyrie, he is a top five player in the league. I mean, he is. So, I'm excited to see what they can do. I love Doncic so much, so it's like, I'll I'll probably still pull for the Mavs a little bit. I do like the Mavs, and I, I I'd like I really like Doncic. I think the guy is just an absolute just he's a bat he battles day in day out you gotta love it and he 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 fights and uh it's good to see him get some some help because he's needed it for some time so he's got a great ad he's so fun on the court man he's so fun to watch you can tell he's just he's having a ball out there 
Yeah, it really is. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But moving on, um, I wanted to talk about another topic. I mean, there seems like there's a lot of shit that happened this last week in the world of sports. Um, the Denver Broncos traded up, gave away a first-round pick for Sean Payton as a coach. Now, you just talked about, you know, first-round picks and second-round picks in the NBA not being as important. You want to talk about where a first-round pick is vital that's in the NFL. A first-round pick could be a game-changer. And to see the Denver Broncos just, like, basically say, we need a guy who can come in and coach, and we're willing to give up a first-round pick for him, that, to me, shows, like, just the disarray that this team is in. Do you think that that's going to make an impact on this team, and do you think it changes anything? Like, do you think he has an impact on Russ? I I, I don't I don't know. From what I saw from this team last year, they're nowhere near where they need to be in order to be a winning franchise. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that Broncos had any first-round picks left after that Russell Wilson trade. That was the most surprising thing to me was that they had one to trade. Um, And then after that, I mean, I think with the Russell Wilson trade, they are all in on kind of this team as it sits. So obviously they had one more um, uh, first-round pick. And at this point, you know, you kind of put all of your chips into one one basket, um, all your eggs into one basket, all your chips on the table, whatever I'm trying to say, and go yeah. get this guy. Because, I mean, look, the Broncos' defense was sensational. I don't remember what the stat was, but it was some absurd number of points that if the Broncos just scored like 17 points every game, they would have been like 11 and 6, or it was even better than that. So their defense is really good. Jerry Judy's is legit. Um, I, I think Russell Wilson's obviously a good player. And you start to wonder, was this Hackett guy, first-year head coach, huge regression of Russell Wilson. you got to wonder if those those parallels are there. And I think it also is one of those things where Sean Payton is a great football coach. He had long-term success with the Saints. I think he should be able to at least make Russell Wilson better than he was this past year. And it's sort of just like you kind of – you know, it's Russell Wilson's chance to show what he's got. And if if it ain't him, I think, you know – Sean Payton as a long-term coach is a more vital thing for a franchise, in my opinion, than any one player, even if it is Russell Wilson. So it's sort of like, let's let Russell prove if a legitimate coach is is why he didn't do what he should. And if not, then Sean Payton's going to have to figure something out. Yeah, to your point, you said you didn't know they had a pick. They actually had a pick from San Francisco, a first-round pick. So it's uh-huh. actually a pretty terrible. low pick. It's yeah. a 30th overall pick. So it's it's essentially like a high-end second-round pick. And then yeah. they gave their 2024 second-round pick. New Orleans then gave Payton and their 2024 third-round pick. So, I mean, li- literally, they're basically giving – I mean, it's at the end of the first round. It's essentially like the Broncos are giving away two second-round picks, you know, so or at least yeah. second-round picks. But, yeah – I don't know. I think Sean Payton, I mean, we, we all knew he was coming back. He was going to be a coach somewhere. He uh, did himself a favor. He got out of New Orleans because that was a mess. Um, and yeah, I think he rode success as long as he could. And you know what? Sometimes a new a new team, you know, with a good coach. I mean, I'll, I'll use the example of Doug Peterson with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that's a team that, you know, really didn't, you know, didn't have much of a chance. And they they proved that they have a lot of promise and upcoming talent that they could be a force in the AFC in the next few years with the right coaching. The Broncos, to your point, they have a lot of pieces. They have a lot of good players. 
They just really have not had a right game plan. And maybe it takes a guy who's got some veteran savviness like Sean Payton to put a guy like Russell into a p- position where he feels comfortable. They see eye to eye and, you know, they start seeing the ball rolling because that was one of the hardest transitions to watch Russell go from the Seahawks to like how bad he was at the Bronx. I mean, it, yeah. it, it was a bad season for him regardless. P.S. For all those folks at home, Perez did play on a softball team with Russell Wilson. Oh, little back. League. Little League. Growing up. Little League? Little League. Little yeah, League. Sorry. What did he say? Softball? Softball. Yeah, no. This was this was early on. So I've always pulled for Russell for that reason. I, I think the Sean Payton thing can go either way, right? Like when you bring a coach in that's been out for a little bit, that's a big name. You're yeah. going to get Doug Peterson type result with some success in a different organization or you're going to get the John Gruden. So we'll see kind of which way that that goes. Um, but I, I think, I think it'll be more the former. I, I think he's, I think he's legit. I think so too. It'll be interesting to see a lot of new upcoming things in the off season of discussions about players going different teams, coaches going different places. I'm interested to see if Rogers goes to the Raiders. There's a lot of talk about that as well. It's interesting. I always find the NFL offseason is fun and exciting because there's a lot of shit that goes down, you know, and yeah. you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll move on. I want to talk about something that's actually in your wheelhouse, and you're the perfect guy to talk to about this. Not to say that you don't know NFL and you don't know basketball, but if there's one thing you know, Perez, it's golf. And um, I don't know if you saw the Phil Mickelson tweets this last week, um, the discussions about – how if there was a Ryder Cup style match between Live Tour and PGA Tour, in his mind, he thinks the Live Tour would obliterate them. I don't know what he's smoking, but I am interested to, to ask you and your thoughts. If if they were to do this, first of all, I think it it benefits Live more than anyone else because it gives them exposure. Um, it gives them a sense of belonging and purpose. And if they lose, I think people would expect them to lose. And if they win, then they they look like they come out on top and they're all the much better for it. What are your thoughts on this? I don't think PGA Tour would ever do this. I don't think it benefits them at all. Um, but how do you think that that would look? Yeah, I mean, to, to your point there, um, the PGA Tour has nothing to gain and everything to lose by, by doing this. Um, yeah, it, it gives them legitimacy. It sort of like puts them on the same plane. Um, so th- this will never happen, um, in my opinion, at least not in the short term, unless there's some long term sort of collaboration between these tours um, in the next few years. If they kind of realize that they kind of have to work together, they don't have a choice. Um, but I mean, looking at, at face value with this comment, that's it's ridiculous. Um, I don't think they're I don't think they're likely to win against the PGA Tour. They're surely not going to obliterate them. Yeah, um, and you can, you know, there's some tweets out there, kind of showing down the line of top twelve players and and what those um those matchups look like, and it's 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 a it's a sad situation. Um, it's it a really significant is. drop off. I think. Yeah, I mean, there's Sam just some guys, Dustin yeah. Johnson, and then you got a couple other guys like Bryson could be a hit or miss. But then it just drops. I mean, you got like Joaquin Neiman. You got a couple guys who could do. But like you look at the PGA with Rory and then you see John Rahm and you see Colin Morikawa and you see like all these guys. And it's like, I just don't think. JT Tiger. Yeah, JT beat Tiger. 
It's like I don't think they're even close. I don't even think it's oh. close. Yeah, I, I think that it, there's some potential at the top, the very top of it. Like you said, with DJ and Cam Smith, I think Joaquin Neiman's a good kind of, you know, has been a good president's club um, kind of guy in the past. But it's 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 not it's not close. I think he's just trying to stir the pot a little bit, get that conversation going out in the golf world, like what we're having right now. I think he's just trying to kind of put them in a, you know, a, a, a conversation where they're the same thing. And it, it's just not the same thing at the moment. So yeah. I think it's a whole lot of smoke. Do you think that um, just kind of bridging off this, do you think the live tour is going to be essentially something that people will be talking about in the next five years? Or do you think it's going to kind of fade out over, over the next little bit and not really be a significant thing anymore? Well, I think that, I think there's some good things that live does as far as the whole setup of it. Yeah. Um, I think the vibe is like at the tournaments is something that will resonate with a, group of of golfers especially in the new generation yeah um, but I, I i i find it very hard to reconcile the whole team aspect and the golf viewer really latching on to this whole team idea um yeah. because it's just so are it's just so made up out of nowhere there's no history there's no tradition to these teams right I just don't see that it's never golf has never been a team sport in that way other than like collegiate golf. So I just, I just think the product is just not as it sits really going to have staying power, but the other side of it is the financial backing behind this league has staying power. So I think if this was just a normal venture, like an XFL that has investors and, and limited resources and money, there's a cap. There's an end to it, and if it doesn't happen, it's gone. Yeah. I don't think that cap exists. So I think that these guys, yeah. you know, it's sort of a marketing play for Saudi Arabia, right? It, it, it yeah, it them as a to the world in a in a different way. So to them, it's just sort of a a line item, and I think they'll keep this thing going, you know, as long as it's enjoyable for enough people. Would you? Would you? Now they just signed a deal. By the way, sorry about the background noise for the people at home. We're staying essentially in a frat house here in Scottsdale. A lot, a lot of people in a small space, so hopefully the audio is not um, too fucked up from that. But um, my question to you is: they they just signed a deal with I think CW Network. If you're at home on a Saturday afternoon and that comes on, are no. you tuning in at all? No. Are you not even? Are you not even checking it I, out? I haven't. I haven't watched a minute of live golf even to this point and i spend a lot more time on youtube at this point than i probably do on cable tv even uh, if it's not sports that i'm like looking to actually watch specifically um no i i don't and i don't think the network necessarily is the reason for that i just it i just don't see it i i just don't look i don't have a, a dog in the fight you know, if, if it works and it is ends up being something that I would like, then yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna like not watch it. But to, to now I don't have you know, I don't think about it. I don't think about live that tournament's on, let me go check. I just don't think about it. Yeah. It's sad because you know what? It's uh, you know, not being able to watch guys like Cam Smith 
or even DJ um, yeah. fun golfers to watch, you know, and, and hate him or, or not, whether you like him or not, a lot of people are either impartial to him. A guy like DeChambeau is fun to watch, pound the ball off, off the tee. It's sad because, you know, those guys are now kind of faded. Even like a guy like Brooks Kepka. I mean, there's a guy like a few years ago, three, four years ago, was like on top of the golf world. And now it's like he's just collecting a paycheck, kind of fading into the dust. So I don't know. I think the thing is, it's like, especially like once a golfer kind of reaches that plateau to the point where they're really not establishing, you know, high finishes on regular tournaments, it's got to be tough to turn down the kind of money that's being offered by this, by this yeah. league. And especially knowing that, you're coming from a league where if you don't place well, you essentially make nothing. So now you got a guarantee cut, a guarantee money check that's getting cashed every month. Um, yeah, I, I there's gonna be a continued, I think, like I think we're gonna see a continued amount of players go to live, but guys who are starting to really drop off. I can't yeah. imagine they're gonna get like yeah. ever like a JT or a speed or a Homa or like any of those guys, because they're good enough that they can continue to perform and make money and be in the PGA tour and be in good graces. Yeah. And I, I think some of it's just sort of like what it's always been the status quo, but to your point, like it's not, you can have all this, that success that Brooks has. And in any other sport, if you were to have that kind of success, you know, you're going to get a contract that pays you, you're going to get rewarded in the long term. Golf is like, every week's a new week, you know, every year is a new year, every season's a new season. So it doesn't matter that you won two U S opens in a row or three of the last five majors or whatever the hell it was. Right. Like if your swing goes away tomorrow, you ain't making any more money from the tournament earning side. I mean, you do benefit from sponsors with that kind of performance, but it's just like, I don't blame these dudes. Look, we got, we got people in all, all sorts of sports that go and sign free agent deals with shit teams because the guaranteed money's the highest. Right. Yeah. So, you know, these golfers want to go do the same thing. It's free market, baby. Um, I wanted to touch your base. Hey, Bob. Yeah. Bob. Yeah. You want to come over here and talk? So I want to talk UFC for a second. And I'm not yeah, a big a UFC guy. guy, but I know Bob recently. Yeah. Let's push this thing here over so we can get Bob in here. Oh, I, I wanted to talk about look at this. Oh. this week. Um, we're talking Michael Chandler. And we're talking Conor McGregor, uh, Ultimate Fighter. They're going to be matching up against each other. Bob, talk us through this because you're our UFC insider. Bob, I just decided Bob's our UFC insider moving forward. <laughs> what what does this look like? Does Conor is he going to be even relevant anymore? He's lost multiple fights in a row. Guy looks like he's washed up huge injury in the last couple fights. Um, does is he still have what it takes to be successful? I think that Chandler will be a favorite. I think Chandler would be like a minus 175, minus 185 favorite. The only problem with Michael Chandler is he's got a soft chin to where as soon as he gets hit, he starts bleeding. He's bleeding before he steps into the octagon. You're a big Chandler guy, though, right? You love him. Love him. Yeah, you told me you liked him a lot. He's my favorite. He's like why I got it. He came on the Pantry Boys, which is – did he really? Yeah, he did. Think. Wow. Let's just no longer big, show. That's a big pull. It was a great pull. <laughs> it was a great pull. But um, I, I love the guy. I think he's all class. He's like the um, 
He's like, in a way, if you can imagine this, I know it sounds a little ridiculous. He's like the Tony Finau of UFC, <laughs> like the classiest guy, really, really good, um, but a soft chin. But give me Michael Chandler. Now, it's going to air on Ultimate Fighter. No, they're going to be from, from May, I think it's 30th to August, and then they're fighting after that. Are, is are you is this too like on regular cable or ESPN or like I think it's ESPN I think, yeah I think it's on it's like FX or TBS or I think they had it on I think they had on Spike it's on ESPN and ESPN Spike. exactly and right by the way it's a great move for the UFC now because with McGregor going into that. So many people are going to watch it. Like, I know I'll watch that. We're You'll be watching? For sure. They but, used to do the Ultimate uh, Fighter all the time, and I haven't seen yeah, it in ages. It's stopped. They did it. They've done it before with McGregor, too. Yeah, McGregor yes. not. Early on. Yeah. But yeah. wait, isn't the Ultimate Fighter, like, almost like the voice where you, like, you like draft people to your yes, team? Yes, you have a team. And yeah. So and they, like, fight each other? So are yeah. these guys actually going to fight at the end? Like, Chandler, yes. that's, that's part of it? Not in that, so like, yeah, like they'll have they'll do the show, and then after the show, it'll be an actual UFC thing. So it's kind of going to be like the whole build. They're like, they're sucking out the last life out of McGregor. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I do just and they say, still will do numbers. It'll crush. I think it'll crush. Um, yes. Michael Chandler, he's just the best. He's he's adopted. He's got two adopted kids. He's like the classiest guy. And McGregor. If, it's like the biggest piece of shit ever. Just a yeah, I'm not, yeah. not a McGregor guy by any means, but it'll do numbers. Michael Chandler and I'll try and be there, just like the last cards that I have. But I can't get tickets. Never will. By the way, I might have tickets for you. That would be very nice. <laughs> you keep coming on the Sportsman, we'll get you UFC tickets. I'm here for a good time and a long. Perez, are you a UFC guy? Do you want? Thanks, Bob, for joining us. Uh, uh, Perez, are you a UFC guy? Like, do you? Will you tune in, or are you kind of just like, nah? Um, big fights, big, yeah. big games. I will. Um, also if like if I'm like out like like on a boys' weekend or something, like a golf weekend or like a mountain weekend or something on Saturday night, like we'll get the card and we'll like I'll just gamble the whole the whole card. So I like it in that regard. I usually just blindly gamble. I like look at the guys and I'm like that guy looks like that guy looks scarier than that guy. I'm gonna. <laughs> Um, so that, I, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I do the same. Like I don't really know. I know like some of the big fighters, like the John Bones Jones, like different guys like that, the Tony right. Ferguson's. I know some of these guys, but I don't know like all the attributes. I don't know all of them. Like and and like Bob really knows all of these guys. But I will say to your point, it's really fun. I had a there was a pay per view card, and I never order it. But we were over at uh, Buddy's house, and there's a bunch of guys over, and. We started throwing some bets, nothing big, you know, 20, 50 bucks, you know, on some of these guys. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it makes it fucking exciting. It's pretty fucking fun to bet on the UFC. Oh, yeah. It's fucking, I mean, it's, it can be over so quick. It can go over for a long time. You can it bet can first round. Guys, There's so many things you can yeah. bet. One guy's dominating the other guy. And then the other dude just like throws like a wild elbow and knocks the other guy out. And you're like, oh, what the fuck? Or like, rolls him over and he's got him in like a. Yeah, like, and he's done. Like it's crazy. Man. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, I, to Bob's point, it's, it's really, it's blown the fuck up to the point where now like, tickets are outrageous. If you want to go and watch these things, it's pretty, pretty wild. Um, I think that's everything we wanted to cover for the most part. 
Um, what we did last week, Perez, is we did a um, we did a uh, Q and A section because we want to start getting people to comment and be more engaged and follow up and ask us questions, essentially that we we can answer in the episode. So, I got a few questions that we're going to go through. A couple Q and A questions. Um, we can get your take on it and my take on it, um, and then we'll go from there. And I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, first question we have coming in today is from Tom Stevens. The question was for me and Ticket, but I'd like your answer on it. You're very acquainted with my golf game. Maybe not so much tickets. But that being said, Tom Stevens asks, if you both played a full 18 together tomorrow, stroke play, what do you think you would shoot without any mulligans? So first and foremost, I mean – I think I'll give my answer first and I'd like to hear yours. Here's the thing with me is I am as inconsistent as the wind blows. So I can catch a little bit of a heater and actually put together a good five, six holes. And then I can after that, like a couple holes later, like I had never hit a golf ball before. Um, I have not played good golf lately. I've had some good moments, but to answer your question, Tom Stevens, if I'm putting together a full 18 right now, no mulligan, stroke play, putting everything out. I'm probably shooting anywhere from like an 88 to a 95. I've really not been wow. great. You're I'm not been good. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know right. what? I've not been good. I think when I play well, like I can shoot low 80s. And I have yeah. even a couple times, shockingly enough this year, I've broken, I've broken 80. But I think consistently yeah. with no gimmies, putting everything out, stroke play, I think you're looking anywhere from an 87, 88 range to a 92 to 95 on a bad day. Sure. What do you think? I'm not going to talk to. I think the ticket. Uh, Give me a number. You got to give me a number. Give me a number. Okay. Well, here's the thing. The ticket doesn't really play a lot of golf. So it's not a stab at him. I think if he did play more golf, I, I, I saw for a while he got into it. He made efforts and he did improve. But with the ticket, I think you're seeing probably like a 106. Something Today, like that. tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, I think you're seeing like a 106 to a 112 from ticket. And I know that sounds harsh, but the guy doesn't play golf. He plays yeah. like once every two months, you know. Now, maybe actually I've seen him on a good day shoot in the 90s. So maybe he puts – I don't want to bury the guy, but maybe he puts together like a 97, 98. But it's hard when you don't play consistently to put up a good score, especially when you're not getting gimmies on the greens. Yeah, I can see that. Well, I would give you, if I'm picking a number, yeah, I would say based on yeah, like you said, a little little feast or famine for you on the golf course here of late. Um, I would say respectfully, I would give you probably an 86. Okay, at the moment, um, I think you got it in you. I think you grind. If the putter gets hot, you're hitting fairways. I think 86 is 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 reasonable, and for ticket. Pickett just doesn't play golf anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? I've seen him hit a great shot. I've seen him on the – he hit some balls in the range at Quintero the other day. Wasn't the, the greatest shit I've ever seen in the world. So I'm probably taking over on that 112 top line that you're wow. uh, you're putting yeah. out there. And, and, um, and look, I want, I want him – I want him <laughs> to play more golf just as much as he probably wants to play more golf. Um, but that's just the reality of the situation. Oh so. boy! You know what we just gave you? What's that? That's, the question uh, was if Tom Stevens asked if you and I played a game of golf tomorrow, mm-hmm. stroke play, 
No gimmies. What would you each choose? So first of all, I'm going to show what I said for myself. Okay. Was 87, 88 to 95 on a bad day. For Don. I gave 06 to 112. Yeah. And And took it down and said over on the one. Ticket, I took the over on the one. I did. I did. I did. Out of respect. It's out of respect, though. But I did say. Because you're not playing golf. But I will, say that, I will say that my number for Joe in my head was 87. Yeah. My I said 86. Me 86. I, had, I said 86. Yeah. So my number for Joe was 86. Total with that. Over 112. So yeah. Here, look, it's, I, it, I, don't, I don't do it because I want that to be <laughs> no, I mean, you're not playing to. any golf. He's not supposed to be I've on the birthday. I'm getting buried on my birthday. But I will say. I saw you. That's not fair. I saw you hitting balls at Quintero on the range, Alex, and that's what I saw. He was watching me. That's what I, I saw. I knew he was watching me. <laughs> I've never played with the Paradigms before. I love Paradigms. Look, look, but I've never played I saw. with them before. Um, and I don't get the playoff, and that's a big thing. I know. That's what I said. I said all that. Over 112 is a bang job. Gave, look, I, I, do think said I, over I will see. He said, he said 106 to 112 for you. And I just took the over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I, that's I will say that when you were playing consistently, I, I saw you multiple occasions breaking 100. All right. So I just think it's more of a case that you really haven't golfed in a long time. And it's hard. It's hard. If you're doing yeah, straight play, true. it means you're not getting any gimmies, any mulligans, nothing. Yeah. It's straight up. And that's, I mean. But I am getting tough. that call soon on Bob's Wow, for sure. By the way, we just taking lessons. Oh, online lessons online, taking karate classes online. Okay, we got two more questions. Ticket, now that you're here, I didn't think this is a good question. You want to hang out? You want to hang out on your show? I'm hanging out. I'm hanging out. Yeah, Yeah. for a lot of people who don't know this about FP, he's actually a huge soccer fan, big Liverpool guy, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. I actually have a soccer question here. I'd like you to answer. I'm going to give my answer. The uh, the question is from James Bullcott. It says, Joey, being Italian, I'd love to know your favorite Italian football player of all time. Ooh. Besides your one. And then he adds a question for ticket, but ticket's now gone. So I'm going to answer that. I actually have two guys who I'd like to say. There's two different players who are like 1A, 1B for me. The first one is a defender. Captain, wow, it just got loud in here. What's that doing? It got loud in here. What's that doing? So my first question, my first answer would be a guy who I think when they won the World Cup in 2006 was as instrumental as possible a player could be. That's a defender. That's Fabio Cannavaro. Hell of a defender. Great player. Class act. That's my first guy. Second guy is actually a goalkeeper, and I'd be remiss to not include him. It's got to be John Luigi Buffon. I'm a Juventus guy. I cheer for Juventus. He played for Juventus almost his entire career. Was sensational for Italy. Uh, Arguably one of the best goalkeepers of all time. And I just don't know how you don't include him. So that'd be my 1A, 1B. If you had to give your favorite Italian football player, who is it going to be? 
I'll go. I'll go one A, one A, one B as well. One um, okay. A for me is is Pirlo in the midfield. Oh, um, that's a hell of an answer. He was really good. I mean, that guy, the way he controlled the ball for multiple clubs in in Italy at AC Milan and Juventus. Oh, and he was unbelievable. That hair, that hair is unbelievable, and his his skill on the ball is the only thing better than that hair. And what about his Paneka penalty shot? Oh, the, he's, I mean, oh, he's got he just God. drips, dude. He's just, <laughs> um, just drippy dog. And then my one B is probably um, uh, Chiellini in the in back. Oh. In Hard nose Italian center defender, exactly what you think that an Italian defender center back is supposed to be. Um, never afraid to get in the mix. You know, had that whole run in with Suarez during um, during the World Cup, and yep. I just like that guy. I think he's. I think he's 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 a great guy that you want on your team, and you absolutely hate him when you're playing against him. Yeah, he's he's just a gritty, hard nosed guy. Nothing fancy about him, but he goes in the trenches. You gotta love him. Last question. We're gonna go with a question from Joseph Ferry. Okay, I like this question. The question is: What were each of you like in high school? Were you athletes, popular, good grades, etc.? We'll start with you, Perez. Um, <laughs> I I played golf, so I mean, if that counts as as being an athlete. Then I guess I was uh, not in the traditional high school sense. I don't think um, I, you know, I did well in school for sure, but I also got after it. Um, never, never uh, afraid of a of a beer pong table and uh, a, a party, a house party that you know somebody shouldn't have been hosting. And shocker, um, you know, I've been, I, you know, I've been known to get high in the woods um, from time to time on a little on a little marijuana. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had a good time. I, I had I had a great high. I wouldn't go back. I'm not one of the people. I didn't hate high school. Um, if you asked me if I could go back to senior year tomorrow and, and live that year out, I, I probably would do it again. I had a great time. Wow. Uh, I'll, I'll give my answer. So my answer is, you know, in high school, I was a total nerd, um, total dork, book smart. Um, I was a heavily involved athlete. Shockingly enough, I played hockey at a very high level. I was playing hockey like six, seven times a week. So I didn't really have time for the shenanigans of high school. Um, I, I, I got good grades. And to be honest, I found high school very easy to the point where like for a couple of years in grade 10, grade 11, I was actually writing other kids essays and papers and charging them money for it. I just, it just shockingly enough. So yeah, I, I, I wasn't, I don't know if I was like, then in grade 11, I kind of transitioned. I quit hockey at the end of grade 11 I was like, okay, it's time for me to move on. I joined the football team in in high school football. Um, I, what's that? I was a wide. I I was wide receiver slash tight end. So tight end. That's what tight ends say. Tight ends say. So funny fact. Tight ends say. We were on a team with the, <laughs> arguably the best running back in the entire province. Oh, just like a state. So I think like 90% of our play calls were run plays. So I was a glorified blocker. You were blocking. Yeah, yeah I was blocking. Yeah. And I told Ticket I had two catches. Yeah. In you, were, you, were right, you were right tackle. You were a right yeah. tackle. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was a glorified right tackle. So right I, tackle I with receiver catches. gloves on. Yeah, yeah. two catches in, in, in my senior year was pathetic. And one of them was a broken play was like – I, I was telling Ticket this the other day. It was a broken play. wasn't supposed to be a pass, and I was left unattended, running up the middle of field. It was one of those sec like moments where you, I caught. You've never gone out or on a route the whole year. 
They weren't. They didn't scout for it. I was running the wrong route. I was totally wrong route. Botched it. And I was in the middle of the field. No linebacker. The, I, the quarterback sees me, tosses it. I come to catch it. I turn around. The safety's right there and popped me like you wouldn't believe. I held on to the ball, but I was badly, badly hurt. I, I don't think I played for the rest of the game. So, yeah, I was. And that, uh, and that, and that safety, you ask, was Ed Reed. <laughs> yes. We just watched Ed Reed highlights last night. That's why I brought him up. Brian Dawkins. Right there. Kick it. What was the question? So the question came from – this is a wild episode, by the way. Wild episode. Um, The question was from Joseph Ferry. What were you like in high school? Were you athletes, popular, good grades, et cetera? Oh, okay. You're asking me. Well, I mean, yeah, you're here now. You might as well answer the question. I was wildly popular. Wow. (laughs) Drowning in pussy. For all the wrong reasons. I was a chameleon. I was whatever you needed me to be. I was insecure. I uh, I needed you to like me, so I often was whatever you needed me to be. Wow. Um, as far as athlete goes, I played baseball. I played basketball a little bit. Um, played freshman football. Was horrible at it. I was about a buck sixty-five, and they wow. stuck me on the offensive line. <laughs> That's. It's so unathletic. I was sixty-five pound tackle, and I remember making fun of all the kids who were playing golf. And now I look back and wish I played golf. Wow! And in my that school, really backfired, didn't it? Two kids on the golf team. Small <laughs> school, two kids. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I was well liked. I think um, for those of you that's about it. for those of you at home who don't know, fun fact: Ticket actually played baseball at the College of West Virginia. On a scholarship? Yeah, so I went to West Virginia and I had a massive meltdown. I had a massive <laughs> mental say you got a scholarship. I had a massive mental breakdown, but I was there. You got to play baseball. I was there. I also sold weed. I also I did a lot of things at West Virginia. Wow. But yeah. Laying it all on the line. Laying it all on the line. Well, I'll tell you what. This was uh, an episode we weren't sure if we were going to get in. Yes, Take right. it, I thought we weren't even going to see you, so it's good that you were able to make Fair a last-second appearance. Perez, phenomenal as always. This has been fun. I mean, I hope that Mr. Anderson can salvage some of the audio because there's a lot of chaos going on in the room next to us. We're essentially staying at a frat house in Scottsdale. We are. Having a good time. But you know what? It's our priority. Mr. Anderson puts the gun to our head. We get the episodes out. That's right. or high water. And you got another episode of The Sportsman. Perez, it was a pleasure having you on. We got to bring you on more often. You're a legend and we love you. Anything else, Tick? You want to close this out? That is another hey, episode of the sports. Happy, hey, happy birthday, Tick. Oh, and a happy birthday oh, to Tick. Happy birthday to Tick. That's real nice. Didn't see it coming, but that's nice. We're going for dinner tonight. It's going to be a banger. It's going to be a banger. But that is another episode of the Sportsman. You got Fat Perez over there. You got Joey D over here. You got the big ticket right here. And we will see you next week, folks. Goodbye.